You need to be able to separate your backend capabilities from your front-end capabilities. Front-end needs to be as dumb as possible. It has to simply take the instructions from the backend and just display, just simply render. We have to get away from gluing everything together into the front-end and keeping all the logic in the front-end and put that in an abstraction and an orchestration layer that serves multiple front-ends. And we are back for Series 3 of Transformation Stories from the award-winning Beltech Cafe. This series, we're talking innovation, commerce, emotive marketing, and career changes. We'll also dip into trends in fintech, digital health, retail, mobility, manufacturing, and speak to CEOs, CDOs, SMEs, and lots of other acronyms too. As always, you can expect gloriously unscripted discussions that shed an open and transparent light on the ebb and flow of our digital world. I'm Tizzy Philp, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by CEO of Concia AI and one of the 10 most influential women in tech, Sana Remicki. And I'm also joined by Karen Light, Director of Platform Strategy in the Composable Practice at Valtech. Together, we'll all be talking about the common pitfalls of Composable and understanding why Mac implementations and Safaris have more in common than you might expect. A tenuous one. So, Sana and Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Sana, let's begin with an introduction to you first. Tell us more about Concia AI, your role there, and how you came to be involved in the composable world in the first place. Awesome. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Concia.ai. I have personally been in the world of enterprise implementations through various roles in the past as a technical consultant, architect, product consultant, etc. for many, many years. And through my tenure at various size agencies and product vendor companies as well, what I saw was that most organizations out there have major challenges when it comes to data and content being siloed in a lot of different systems. In the past, uh, the term composable wasn't really a thing. The term silos was a thing, but composable wasn't really a thing. That problem of data and content being siloed in multiple systems has been there from the very beginning. And I have personally helped various organizations over the years unify those silos through various organizations that I was part of and eventually founded Concia to be the digital experience orchestration layer that brings all of the various systems together into a composable whole. And that is how I got involved within the Mock Alliance. That is the reason I founded Concia as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that introduction. And Karen, let's go over to you as well. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about you and your background and your role at Vestec. Yeah, absolutely. So to Santa's point, composable didn't used to be a thing. It's come out of necessity where, you, you know, you used to have these suites and, and I've worked as a GM of e-commerce for organizations and we had those monolithic suites and, and you got what you got out of them, right? You got search. And um, I remember we, uh, our website was not tagged properly. So just talking about data, not only has there been data silos, but, you know, with garbage in, garbage out with data. So I think we're realizing how important data is to create those personal experiences. And so that's one reason I started building a mock 
forward composable stack in my past at an organization, not even realizing what I was doing. We were decoupling everything. We had a lot of, you know, people say spaghetti code, a lot of the spaghetti code that was sort of homegrown. And we realized that that just wasn't going to work for providing a really amazing customer experience. Because one of the reasons I think people choose Composable is because it's an experience-driven economy now. Suites did what they needed to do. They helped people get online, on the internet, on a single screen. And, and as you know, different devices and different heads, if you will, grew, the need to decouple all of that, to be able to power all of those experiences while enabling business users and not relying so heavily on tech came into play. And so I I think that it's been a really interesting evolution over the last three years of what's going on in technology. And, And the other cool thing about it is that there's no single solution for anyone anymore, right? And that's, that's so amazing that that there's now the scale of, you know, there's still places where people want to use some of those more traditional products, or maybe just decouple a piece of the experience. You don't have to decouple and blow everything up, but some people may want to. And so I think that's what's really neat about this practice and why my role is actually kind of really brand new because Composable didn't exist. And so what I'm doing is helping clients connect what they need to do and and where they should fall kind of on that scale of a composable transformation. Fantastic. Well, welcome both of you to the podcast. I think this is going to be a really brilliant conversation. And I'm going to start off by making reference back to that Safari connection, which everyone will now be wondering why on earth we're talking about connections with Safari. So here we go. Here's the reveal. So in Sana, in preparation for this call, you said that a Mac implementation was a bit like going on a Safari. You wouldn't go on a Safari without a guide and it's no different without Mac. What do you mean by that? And why do you think it's so important to call that out straight away? You know, as Karen mentioned, you know, in the past, you had this one monolithic suite. It had everything. It had a CMS, it had search, it had uh, PIM and Commerce Engine and everything all in one place. So there weren't a lot of choices really for businesses to make in terms of, you know, uh, how best to put things together. They got what they got. And that was it. They had to use what came out of the box. Now, as we are shifting away from the all-in-one monolithic suites into the world of composable, we've now broken down all of those capabilities into multiple packaged business capabilities that are coming from different vendors, and each has a slightly different flavor to it. There's options everywhere. So when you have that many options, you need some sort of guidance to figure out how all of those capabilities fit together. That guidance that you didn't really need so much in the past. And if you look at the way the relationships now work between brands and vendors or brands and SIs, that entire dynamic has now shifted. In the past, the vendors owned the relationship with the brands. Now that has shifted to the SIs and agencies holding on to that relationship because the SIs are that guide for the safari, right? The SIs are involved in helping the brands figure out how best to compose that tech stack, that composable tech stack. And that's why I refer to this phenomenon as, you know, a guide to a safari, safari being the composable tech stack and or the experience that you're trying to create and the guide being uh, the SIs and the agencies that are helping customers figure out how best to do so. 
Karen, I'm going to come to you here just on something that Sana mentioned there, which is this shift of where the relationship lies now and the relationship of the vendor being who owns that relationship. Does that make clients or or brands nervous when suddenly they're handing over the ownership of that relationship? Is that a reason why maybe some people might fear a composable approach? In my experience at Belltech, it's it's actually the opposite. It's not making brands nervous. It's reassuring them on their decisions. A lot of reasons that, you know, clients come to Valtech for Composable is that, you know, we've done it. We know the vendors, we know the nuances. And so that's kind of where my role comes in is to say, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, what are your goals, your business goals, your user experience goals? And then we'll help navigate how much of a composable structure do you need? And then within that composable structure, because there's so many decisions to be made now. Actually, when I first started at at Valtech, we kind of hadn't gotten clients to think about the shift yet. And I was like, you know, they keep coming to us and they say, oh, we bought commerce tools. Can you implement it? And I'm like, take a few steps back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes, but... And why? And what are you trying to accomplish? And and you know what does the rest of the ecosystem look like? And what are you what are you keeping? Like what are you building? What are you buying? What are you you know going to change? Like and and how does that impact your business users? And then it was sort of like whoa, like I don't know. We just need a new commerce engine. And 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 so that kind of used to be and it makes sense, right? Like you used to get a monolith or a suite, and and you just you just implemented it, and maybe you supplemented it with something like search or you know something else. But now there's lots of decisions to be made. And, and so what I've found in our composable practice is that our clients are very assured by having us make recommendations. I worked with a client recently where they're like, we own this CMS, should we keep it? Should we do a new CMS? And, and we did an evaluation of it. And we came up and we said, no, you probably need a, a true composable headless CMS based on what you know your goals are, what you're trying to achieve. And of the varieties of those, here's the specific one we recommend because X, Y, and Z. And it was literally like, great, that's wonderful. That's kind of what we thought, but we weren't really sure. And I think that's because a lot of people haven't practiced composable in real life. I think there's a lot of folks who understand the concept and that's kind of what we're seeing at clients. They're like, we kind of feel like we need to do this. We don't really understand it. Can you kind of help us connect the dots and connect us with vendors? And that's that's absolutely what I love doing is, is help solve those problems for clients because you can tell it it makes them feel good about future-proofing their stack. That concept of connecting the dots dots is such an important one. And let's focus on the idea of connection and go into that in a little bit more detail before we go on to talking about some of the common pitfalls that companies experience and how they can avoid those. Sana, why do you think connection is such an important aspect of Composable? Again, you know, going back to the old days, I'll always start from the old and go to the new. So in the old days, because everything was all in one system, right? So your customer data, your content, your marketing automation, all of that tooling was sitting in one place. There wasn't even a thought in anyone's mind about connecting any dots because the dots were already connected within the system itself. But now as we have separated data and content from all of these different systems into separate packaged business capabilities, when you start thinking about how to build an experience based on all of these different packaged business capabilities, you have to connect all of these dots from all of these different systems together. The The one uh, example I guess I like to use is the three Cs, the customer, the content, and the context, right? So the customer is the one experiencing the experience that you're presenting to them. The content is what you're presenting 
to them. And the context is, you know, the situation within which you are presenting that experience to the customer. Those three C's are now coming from a whole bunch of different systems. Customer data is all over the place. Content is coming from PIMs and CMSs and commerce engines and promotion engines, uh, loyalty engines, et cetera, et cetera. And then the context itself is now plural as well. It's not just one website. You have various channels, various in-store, online, offline channels that now determine the context of the customer as well. So all of those individual elements within the three C's are the dots that need to be connected in order to create an experience that is unified, that is connected, that is contextual to the customer. So, you know, in the past, all of that was done within one system with limitations because a lot of the all-in-one DXPs actually didn't serve multiple contexts as well. They didn't really care where the content was coming from because the content better be within the DXP itself. They they didn't actually allow for content to really come from any other system either. So there was no worry about connecting the dots. But now, now that uh, organizations are making that shift to composability, they have to start to think about, you know, how do we make sure all those dots are connected so the customer sees the right experience at the right time, but also from a marketing and from a business standpoint, how do I control the experience when your data and content is coming from all of these different places? And that's why Concia was founded, right? Concia was founded on exactly that premise that you need to provide a central UI for marketing teams to control who sees what, when, and where and a central API, one single API for the engineering and development teams to be able to connect to all the backend systems all at once. So Concia is all about connectivity. What I love about that is those three C's make up what the future of e-commerce is in my mind, and that's the user experience. I hate to even call it e-commerce anymore, but you know, it used to what, what you didn't have in those three C's was was commerce, was the word commerce, because the transaction is going to become a byproduct of the experience. I remember when when I first got into e-commerce, we used to A-B test like every little tiny thing to get you to the cart, to get you to check out. Like that was our whole goal. Just get you, what's, what's the path to purchase, path to purchase. I feel like that's not what's important anymore. I, and, and the way that companies are going to succeed and brands are going to succeed in generating revenue is through personalized experiences. And you have to have that connectivity to understand when you need to serve what to what customer in, in what context. And I think those three C's just sum up the brands that are going to succeed in the future. If they can get that right, just make sure your cart works. Like it's not that that's no longer the, um, the, the optimization that, you know, the place you should be focusing on. Yeah. And, and, and another thing I would just like to add uh, to that, Karen, as well, the idea of content and commerce coming together. That's another fourth C, I guess, that we can bring into the mix as well. Commerce, right? In the past, as you said, like it was all about just getting through the path to purchase, just landing the customer on that checkout page so that they can buy the product. That was the end goal. But now customers are not happy with that. They want to create a connection 
to the brand, especially the millennials and the Gen Zs. It's all about the brand image and the brand vision aligning with their own, right? They need to understand what you actually stand for and how do you get that in front of them? That's through content and that's through relevant content for the customer that is looking at purchasing something from you. If they want, they could just go to Amazon, right? And go purchase the product. But why do they purchase the product on a direct-to-consumer website? It's because there's that connection to the brand. And you can't create that connection by simply doing commerce. You have to connect content to commerce. And you have to connect the right content at the right time for the right customer with that path to purchase in order to make it all happen. So the hence, again, the, the importance of connectivity comes into play. You used to purchase monoliths, brands, pretty much you had to have a lot of money to, to be online and to transact online. And with the invention of things like Shopify, um, anybody, you know, and, and Etsy and things like that, anyone can spin up and, and do online commerce. And so I think that's another reason that it makes it so important that, what to your point, what differentiates you as a brand how do you connect with your customers? Because there's so much competition out there and there's so much noise that you have to have an experience that makes you stand out, that makes you stand apart. Okay. So we've got customer content, context, commerce, connection, <laughs> composable and competition. I'm going to add another one into the mix now, which is complexity. Because the big question- Oh, wow. I like talking, this. I know. It's like it almost it was meant <laughs> all to be. Of these. these are all C's. <laughs> It's good that we named our company Concia, right? The C. It's like you knew. Uh, let's talk about complexity, though, because when we're talking about connecting the dots, we formerly might have talked about a monolith. You had everything there before. You know, you had the suite. You had everything taken care of. Suddenly, we're bringing in so many more third parties, so many more meshes, mashing together different uh, products and, and companies and teams. That increases the complexity. So how do you tackle that from the start? How do you make sure as you're navigating people through this, that you're not suddenly taking away the relative simplicity of the suite and actually increasing the complexity that they need to deal with? Sure. So that's definitely complexity. And I think that's one reason that folks are nervous to go on a digital transformation to approach composable because it does when you start decoupling you are dealing with more vendors and it changes you know not only your technology but your people your process your skill set um, and and you have to start looking at TCO total cost of ownership completely different uh, it's not just one vendor and so that's one thing you know that that I help clients work through is that complexity and I think, what people don't realize about Composable is it's not all or nothing. You, you don't have to decouple everything. That's why we come in and, and folks like myself as a strategist will come in and say, what are you trying to accomplish? Like, you know, what is your people, your process, your systems? Like, look at it holistically, look at your goals, and then make a recommendation on a path forward and not just say, okay, we bought commerce tools, let's implement it. So, I mean, and that may be the solution, but it may not be. And, and you know, you may need to keep some of your legacy. I, I see a lot of clients keeping legacy ERPs. And there's a reason for that. And then connecting them up to a more headless, composable head. And it makes total sense. But everything is a different use case. And that definitely adds the complexity. But what I like to do is help chunk it out and create a path forward. It's a digital transformation is, is not 
just a waterfall implementation. It's, it's going to be, let's do this, and then let's do this, and let's do this. We have something here at Valtech we call the composable factory. And that generally means that we're going to build, as we talked about, the cart just needs to work. So we'll just build you a cart that multiple brands can use underneath an umbrella. We will maybe do the same thing with a CMS. But then whatever differentiates a brand, maybe one brand has a lot of heavy UGC or heavy video, then you know that brand can be able to bring to the factory what kind of differentiates it but you're, you're still leveraging the same components. So that really helps with technology having less that they have to maintain, uh, as well as business users uh, being able to differentiate, but then lowering total cost of ownership. So there is a lot of complexity. And I think that's why you need solutions like Kinsia and you, and you need strategists like myself to help navigate through that because we understand it. We can definitely help it make sense for, for clients. Um, you know, just this morning, I was actually talking to uh, a uh, a prospect who has a huge legacy environment with the ERPs that you're referring to. They have a CRM, they have uh, a legacy CMS that they themselves created. So a homegrown CMS, a homegrown pr- product catalog, and a whole bunch of different systems. And they were very inspired by their attendance at Mach 2. And are starting to think about the journey towards composability. And they asked me, you know, what do I do? Where do we begin? You know, I have so much to deal with, but I know the right way to compete in the long term is to build in that flexibility and that agility into our tech stack. But how do I start? And what I spoke to him about are two different approaches of standing up a composable platform or moving towards a composable tech stack. One is you keep everything as is at the beginning and you create an abstraction layer on top of it. So an orchestration or an abstraction layer, and you put that between your front end and your back end. And you slowly start to move away or take out some of the older pieces and start to replace them with the new pieces. And then the other approach, which I've seen a lot of other brands do as well is that you have a parallel composable tech stack. You start to move one piece of your business or one digital product at a time to the new stack, but you build that new stack from completely composable technologies. Now, interestingly enough, what I am seeing in the market, and and because we're an orchestration platform, we have a lot of the same types of conversations, Karen, that you have with your customers, except, you know, we're not the SI, the agency, we're more of the the tool that, that enables that transition. Interestingly enough, the first approach is what they prefer, which is, you know, we, we can't, just build a parallel stack and put the entire brand on a new stack. We, we uh, use what we call the strangler method, which is the idea of taking out one piece at a time from under the hood, but keep the front ends exactly the same, right? So that's what, and, and a lot of times the front ends have already been built in React or JavaScript type frameworks. So they want to keep that layer the same. Don't disrupt the end user experience too much, but provide new components under the hood that power the existing interfaces. But then once they're done with that, they would start to maybe build out new digital products based on the new technologies that they have now brought in. Because I mean, I know of enterprises that have a thousand different applications that are already running on existing infrastructure, existing legacy 
infrastructure. So you can't really expect them to, you know, overnight go from that to a completely composable architecture. It's just not going to work. It's too disruptive. There's just so much dependency on these existing systems. So what I always suggest is to reduce the complexity, you got to go like what you said, Karen, like one step at a time, baby steps, replace one small piece of capability, carve it out and replace it with something that is composable. And eventually you'll get to a point where all of the mission critical business capabilities have been replaced with completely agile and modular technologies. That's really valuable advice. And I want to now follow up with some more valuable advice for everyone who's listening to this, because you're quoted as saying, don't go composable just to rebuild the monolith. And I think that's a really, really important phrase that people should keep in mind when they're they're listening to this podcast. Let's talk about some of the common pitfalls that we see companies falling into from both of your perspectives and how can they avoid those going forward? Senator, you said it very well as far as um, you can't tackle everything all at once, right? That that really doesn't make sense for most brands. And so I think if a brand approaches it and tries to, <laughs> to use a common phrase, tries to boil the ocean, then you're, you're probably not going to be successful in your, your transformation and taking it piece by piece and doing Strangler and really understanding where you have opportunities and in what order and what priority to tackle them is extremely important to being successful in this transformation. Another pitfall that I I see sometimes is we talked about silos earlier. One piece of the organization making the transformation decision in a silo. And sometimes I, I see this getting better. It's gotten better over the last couple of years, but technology is like, oh, mock and headless and composable and it's cool and we'll just do it. And the business is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't like, I have to be in multiple tools now. Like, how does this impact me. I don't understand this. And so I've really actually been working with a lot of our teams here at Valtech to help come up with content to educate business users on what Composable is, what it means, how it benefits them. And that goes back to, as a strategist, I want to understand why you're, you're trying to do it. It's not just the what and the how. It's um, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And so I think it's really important to take a step back and say, okay, we're not just solving a technical problem. We are solving for business user enablement. What I always like to say is Composable should allow your marketers to be able to do things they never thought possible, to start thinking like it should build a foundation for them to do things like augmented reality and virtual reality and all kinds of really cool stuff that that just kind of sounds really neat, but like now is actually possibility with a Composable uh, tech stack when you have a headless front end. And so I think it's really important to solve for the why and really make sure you bring your business users along for the journey and you're not... Composable is not solving a technical problem. Um, and it's also, it's not it's not just trying to improve page speed or, or anything like that. It's absolutely an entire transformation. And, and you can't go Composable without it being a transformation. I know that's a scary word for some brands, right? Change is, change is tough as people. We And there's another C for you, change. Um, yeah, change. <laughs> change. It, it's, uh, I mean, we're human beings. Like, we're, it, all, it makes all of us uncomfortable. But this is definitely something everyone needs to be along for the ride uh, and understand the benefits. Or And this, this is from C-level leadership all the way down, or you're not going to have a successful transformation. Completely, completely agree. And and uh, just to add, Karen, to your points, another massive pitfall that I've spoken at length about is the idea of creating a composable monolith. What does that mean, right? So when you are taking the journey towards composability, there is the tendency 
to integrate all of these different systems that you are now starting to bring in, in a way that actually fuses them together. It couples them to usually the front end. That ends up being the integration layer for most composable projects, right? So you end up seeing that a lot of the glue code ends up being written in terms of how to make these API calls to different systems and how to merge those responses from different API calls and all that business logic to figure out what you know needs to happen with the responses from system A to system B, et cetera. That ends up happening in the front end itself. Now, we spoke about context being one of the Cs. You're not just looking at a website anymore, right? We are working towards building experiences that are omni-channel. And that means that you need to be able to provide the same logic, the same experience to the customer in various front ends, different frameworks, different presentation layers, different screens and devices, et cetera. So if you put all of that logic of how these systems connect to each other in one single front end, basically what you've now done is fused everything together, coupled everything together for just that channel. That was exactly what we were trying to get away from with the DXP right? We were trying to pull apart all of these capabilities so that we can reuse these capabilities in multiple front ends to begin with. But what we've now just done is fused it right back together. We pulled it out and put it back together into that same monolith that we were trying to get away from. So that is why, you know, I always profess that you need to be able to separate your Backend capabilities from your front end capabilities. Front end needs to be as dumb as possible. <laughs> okay, I know it's mean to say that. Sorry, front end. It needs to be dumb. It, it has to simply take the instructions from the back end and just display, just simply render itself, right? And so we have to get away from gluing everything together into the front end and keeping all the logic in the front end and put that in an abstraction and or and an orchestration layer that serves multiple front ends. And that orchestration layer, by the way, itself, a lot of people will say, isn't that now the new place where, you know, it's a single point of failure? Uh, like, doesn't that become something that can't be replaced? And isn't that glue itself? I would say absolutely not. If you have the right orchestration layer, there is a ton of new vendors that are coming in that sit in that layer. And if they truly separate the front end from the back end and give you all the tools, marketing tools and digital engineering tools to connect all the dots in that layer, one orchestration platform should be able to get replaced with another orchestration platform as well. And I'm saying that as a founder of an orchestration layer. Myself, I want to be replaceable because that is the right way to do it. Every single part of the composable stack needs to be like a Lego block. That includes the glue code. If you can tell me that that glue code in the front end can be just simply taken out and put away, sure, okay, put the glue code in the front end then. But the problem is that that's not how that glue code gets written typically, right? So it has to be configurable. It has to be something that just gets replaced easily with something else. Even if you want to, if you don't want to buy an orchestration layer from a vendor, you want to build your own orchestration layer, 
that should be possible as well. That's, I would say, uh, another massive pitfall that we really need to pay attention to. I think that's a great call out because that is, you know, part of, I have some, you know, themes uh, that I like to advise clients on and and rip and replace is, is definitely one of them because what you want from Composable is best in breed. And you want to be able, which means you need to be able to rip and replace any vendor in that ecosystem and do it very easily. And because that may not be the right solution for you, or, I mean, there's a ton of reasons that you, you'll want to, to rip and replace something, but being able to do that easily and making sure you set your your tech stack up that way is is also very critical. So it's a great point. The term, by the way, Karen, I don't know if you've heard recently, the term that is used to explain that phenomena is compostable. Another C. Ah, I had not heard that. Okay. Yeah. So composable, you just add a T to it because you, you know, just putting things together is not enough. You need to be able to take them back out as well, pull them apart just as easily as you put them together. Right. And that's not possible if you, again, with glue code and fusing things together, you have to be able to just say, all right, I don't want this CMS. I want another CMS. And how do you do that if it's not compostable? And a really good place to end. What a brilliant conversation. Thank you both so much. We could have talked for hours, I think, on this one, but loads and loads of very important takeaways for the audience here. And we'll make sure that both of your contact details are made available for anyone who wants to get in touch with you following this conversation. So Karen and Sana, thank you so much for joining me. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Veltec Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.